0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek App, number one hundred ninety-one, for Monday, February 9th, two thousand
1: nine. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek App. I'm Dave Hamilton. That's John Braun and no, it's not Arbor Day. What? <laughs> that was Pete's question. That's right. It was a Groundhog Day, but no more.
0: But no more. I think he, he still was wrong. I think he's off, man. It's getting warm. At least for me. Uh, yeah, that's right.
1: We had, we had 50 degree weather yesterday. We, uh, we opened all the windows in the house, which is great. airing.
0: Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah, that's a good thing to yep. do. So we shake our fist at you, Phil. You're wrong this time.
1: You know, I, I I think we're gonna have to let Phil go.
0: <laughs> I know Lisa's been talking about that. Well, why not free animal?
1: Free Phil, right? Can we start the free I'm, Phil campaign?
0: If somebody would like to, I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> if anybody can draw nice logos, if you could draw a free Phil logo for the next Groundhog Day, oh, that'd be great. we would sincerely appreciate it. Oh, that'd be great. We well, do T-shirts day. or something, man. <laughs> Every day's Groundhog Day for Phil.
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. Uh, but I heard he uh, he nipped uh, he nipped his uh, handler, which uh, you know showed his displeasure. Go Phil, go dude. Phil. If I was hibernating, I'd be really upset if somebody kind of reached in a hole and grabbed me. I mean, it's yeah. just you know.
1: Is this going to be the ground, <laughs> Groundhog Day, Geek Gab? Is that where this is going? Uh, play the song again, like we did. No, 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 no. Okay, on so, to the show. You know, so this weekend, uh, actually, while I was at MacWorld Expo, a Drobo share, a Drobo, and a bunch of drives showed up, and you know, MacWorld Expo is a crazy time. So uh, since I Drobo back,
0: Drobo, I I remember they're a vendor of, um, I believe, like kind of RAID type. Uh, very cool. Yeah, I, I think, but you you had to check it out. So Drobo, we, we saw them at the show, and they're they were a hit. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they actually last year won a TMO. We gave them a TMO Editors' ah, yes. Choice Award for for the Drobo itself, and then um, so I really, I wanted to check out the Drobo share, but I had though I'd I'd researched the Drobo itself. I'd never used one personally, so it, it's been sort of a, a an interesting experience. So yeah, the idea behind the Drobo itself. Is that it is a uh, RAID enclosure uh, or a a drive enclosure, I will say, that you can connect to your computer. Uh, The current version either uses USB 2 or FireWire 800. Good. And it mounts as, in in most cases, you're going to mount it as a single volume. So you've got four drive bays in this enclosure, and it's all eSATA drives. And you can put, the cool thing is, you know, there's lots of RAID enclosures out there. The cool thing about this is you don't need to know, you don't even need to know that the thing uses RAID. You don't even need to know what RAID is in order to use this enclosure. What you do is you buy the thing, you hook it up to your computer, you start plugging drives in, and you go. And the more drives you have in there, the more storage that you have.
0: Okay, well, I want to qualify that a bit or ask you a question. Mm -hmm. So RAID, there are multiple... RAID means a lot of things. So RAID can start at the lower levels, I believe, are like zero or one or two, which involves kind of rudimentary stitching of drives together and maybe in in some cases striping them so multiple drives are available for writing data. And then you get to, I guess, error correction. So I I, I just want to zero in on, on what you're talking about now, which I think... to me sounds like the more basic things you plug in a drive, it adds to the array and you're happy and you don't have to, you know, run a silly utility to to make that happen. Is that in the ballpark?
1: (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm glad you asked. It it gets, (laughs) the answer is very complex and very simple all at the same time. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. And this is, this is part of what makes Drobo magic. Uh, so the idea is in a typical raid enclosure you have to use two drives or or all the drives have to be the same size in most cases right mm-hmm. so what you're going to do is you know you get maybe three 500 gig drives or you know whatever you want and then and if you have two drives you know you would you would set up a raid array to be what they call mirrored right and the idea behind raid is is to either Extend your storage beyond the ca- the capacity of a single drive, or uh, protect your data by having some sort of fault tolerance, right? And so, okay. with two drives, if you want to do fault tolerance, you mirror them. If you put two hundred five gig, two five hundred gigabyte drives in a typical raid enclosure, you get five hundred gigs of storage. And if one drive fails, you're totally fine because your data is all on the other one. If you have more than two drives, you can use what's called striping, where it starts putting the data across all of the drives. And if you do striping with parity, and I believe I'm getting this right, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, striping with parity provides that error correction uh, that that would allow if you pull one drive out of the array, you uh, can then replace that drive and you won't lose any data because. That the data is striped yes. with parity across all of the drives, and so it can rebuild the data that was on the, the missing or well, failed drive. Okay. That's yeah. typical so, rate. Uh, we still aren't talking about the Drobo yet, but but I, I believe rate, that's typical rate. Well, well, I think what you said before so
0: – sorry, I was tuning out a bit – but, but um, what you mentioned before with three drives, yes, yes. the parity drive will – from what
1: I know, redundantly will back up the data on one of the other drives on both on all, all of the drives back each other up. You don't have one drive that's yeah. just for parity. You have all of the drives for parity. Now so, the lower levels,
0: but I don't know if you said, but, but on the lower levels, if you pull a drive, where were you? It's, it's confused. <laughs> yeah. It was often uh okay. Skype land. Okay. Uh,
1: yeah. So, so that, that's what goes on with a typical RAID array. Now, the way the Drobo works, you can put drives of different sizes in, as long as they're all eSATA drives, they work. Drives of different sizes, and the Drobo, and it's important to listen here, and the Drobo <laughs> magically uh, goes through and uses different types of RAID on the different drives. So, and, and this is much eas much more easily explained with a picture, but I'm going to do my best to explain it here. Let's say you have a one gig drive. Uh, uh, and then two 500-gigabyte uh, drives. Sorry, you have a one-terabyte drive and let's say two 750-gigabyte drives, right? So you've got three drives in the enclosure. Well, uh, actually, you know what? Back up. Scratch that. I, I have a better way to explain it. Let's okay. say you have two-terabyte drives and one 500-gigabyte drive in your enclosure. So three drives, two one-terabyte drives, one 500-gigabyte drive. The two... One gigabyte drives, the section of those that matches the 500 gigabyte drive. So the first 500 gigabytes of all three drives will be striped with parity. Mm. OK, so now you've got this striped array with parity on, on that section of all three drives. Then the portions of the hundred gig of the of, sorry, the portions of the terabyte, terabyte? drives that are left over are now mirrored to each okay. other. Because that's the only option for those. So the Trobo looks at what you have and dynamically assigns and reassigns if necessary. If you put a new drive in, it will kind of rejigger the whole array uh, to maximize the storage space available while still maintaining fault tolerance in case one of the drives fails. So, still, got it. Even in that setup, any one of those three drives could fail, and you wouldn't lose a stitch of data, which is pretty freaking awesome. Okay, so
0: it, it really
1: takes because RAID
0: is is typically, uh, and, and I believe the Apple Disk Utility will let you, if you're brave enough, yeah, lay out your own RAID array. But unless you have uh, what I think you're hinting at, Dave, an intimate. Knowledge of what RAID 0 and 1 and 2 and 5 and 10 and right. whatever the heck else is in there and what they entail, it sounds like they make their very best effort to make you or, or help you set up the drives in a fashion where, yeah, you use all the space and I guess if you choose um, you will have redundancy, so you will not lose the data. I don't now. No, you it, don't get to choose. The redundancy is built it in. Always, okay, it yes. always okay. So they do not let you back off to a lower RAID level that is just for right growing a partition. Okay, well that that's awesome then. So it's right. it's a guaranteed as as far as as long as your hard drive doesn't melt, right. then then you're cool. Okay, that's awesome. So, yeah. so that 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 is the strength of this product is that it will do its very best to make sure all your data is redundant and backed up, and and you just plug the drives in, and it. Well, so I assume and and the, your feedback on the utility. So I imagine if you plug in another drive at some point, it says, "Okay, what do I do with this? Do I make it part of?"
1: No, no, it it doesn't do a darn thing. Nothing. It doesn't ask you
0: a darn. thing. Or does thing. it just? It does it just glom that drive onto the capacity and include error
1: error uh, recovery you know all that yeah. stuff yeah oh. it, that's exactly what it does now it's, there you go oh, it's that, good dude it's, <laughs> it's good cool. to remember uh, or it's good to know that with any sort of fault tolerance you do not get to store all of you don't get the grand sum total of all of your drives available for storage because right. you need something <laughs> available for fault tolerance right and the rule of thumb And again, the prior example uh, kind of speaks to this. But the rule of thumb is that you take your largest drive and subtract that from the sum of all the drives. And what you have left is your storage space. So if you have a one gig and two 500 gigs, you're going to have one gig of storage available. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be backed up if you have three 750 gigabyte drives. You're going to have about a gig and a half, a terabyte and a half. Okay,
0: so spark. if you, it, it, so I guess what you're saying, if you want to get down to the metal and you want to do the, the low level RAID stitching, no, you know, kind of your pants, no error correction thing. This is not the way to do that because it. it I think it's assuming. You want to be safe, but if Correct. you want to, I mean, there are people, you know, there there are a couple of geeks out there, I think, who who want to do the the raw stitching thing, which I guess other enclosures would allow you to do, where you could build your own solution. Correct. Um, okay, so this is plug and play, um, you know, very reliable storage. You just pop the drive in, it grows it. You're cool. That's right. outstanding. So
1: that that's step one, and and as I said, the, the setup is very easy. When I popped a new drive in, I had already configured, you know, I put two drives in, I configured the thing cuz I wanted to see how it worked. Okay, and, do they uh, have a utility or is it transparent? There's a utility. Okay. So I put the drives in, you 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 launch a utility that lets you set up how you want to set up the drobo. Now, out of the gate, you're going to you're defining a single volume that your Mac will see or your PC, it'll work with mm-hmm. Windows. And so with the utility, you decide, you decide what size you want that volume to appear to be. I chose four terabytes. Now, I don't have four terabytes currently in the Drobo, but at some point mm. I may. And so I chose to go that that high. You can go as high as, I believe, 16 terabytes in the current Drobo utility. So uh, once you did that, and I also, through the setup and, and through the utility, I put in that, yeah, look, I want... Uh, and alerts emailed to me. And so I put in my email address. And then when I, when I put the third drive in uh, the drobo, it, it's got a series of lights on the front there. There's one light per drive mm. and the light can either be, I think red, orange or, or green. And so I put the, 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 drive in now, mind you, I did this while it was hot. So the, the drive, the, the, the drobo was on, it was connected to my computer. I was copying data to it. Okay. I popped was this co- a drive that was like out of the, Wrapper? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay. I, I took a new drive, I popped it in. Unformatted. Unformatted. I popped it in. It took maybe ten seconds and the light turned green. And within about twenty seconds, the Drobo utility was reporting, up, oh, yep, got this other drive and uh it's ready to go. You know, and so now you have this much more storage. Wow. Yeah, it's great. And 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 so the and, and I'll speak to the lights on the front of the device. So you've got these 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 lights that kind of tell you the state of the drives. I think red means there's a problem. Uh, green means everything's good. And, and orange or yellow means uh, this drive. You should either add more storage here or this particular drive is might be on its way out. So, you, you know, you might want to replace it. Hmm. It's also got across the bottom of the unit a series of blue lights that and I, and I know you with with menu meters, John, you're going to like this. There are 10 blue lights. That Pete's correcting me here. There, there's ten blue lights across the bottom that show you in ten percent increments how mm-hmm. full your Drobo <laughs> is. So if two lights are lit, it means that twenty percent of your available storage is being used. So it's it's pretty cool. So that that's the Drobo. Now, speed is something we need to talk about here because so far it's all been roses here. The speed yeah, of the Drobo didn't blow me away
0: uh in theory well some raid and and it sounds like they're mixing raids but in theory some lower raid levels the end result is you get a speed boost that then of course you have and i'm sure you'll comment on this but the bus speed so you have bus speed drive speed and combined drive speed and i'll hand it back to you
1: yeah yeah so with this i don't think it's the drives that are slowing things down i think it's the the raid technology and and the 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 various different types of raid now i've got 3 now 3 750 gigabyte drives in the drobo so i've got a terabyte and a half essentially of storage available and presumably the three drives are now striped with parity but speed wise when i'm copying data to it it maxes out in that uh, you know, eleven to eighteen megabytes per second. So, mm-hmm. you know, less than more than a hundred megabits a second, less than two hundred megabits a second, uh, is is what I get now. That's and and I'm st- I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Okay, here, are you? But that's network? either either network. connected with FireWire eight hundred or networked and i'm going to talk about how i'm networked in a minute here but but initially it was firewire 800 connected direct to uh intel Mm -hmm. imac and and that's where i was maxed out and the processor wasn't maxed or anything i mean it was you know definitely the speed of the drobo and i I looked online because it seemed kind of slow to me and i looked online and sure enough that that was sort of the report that i that i saw everywhere so uh so so then i then I, i pulled the other thing out of the box and that was the Drobo Share. Now, the idea behind the Drobo Share is pretty straightforward. It's a little uh, network adapter for the Drobo. You plug uh, the Drobo via USB 2 into the Drobo Share, and then the Drobo Share has an Ethernet port on it as well. It's actually got two USB ports, so you could plug two Drobos in, and that and that's important yeah. to note.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the Drobo, okay, does not have an Ethernet port. Mm-mm make sure okay it has usb and
1: firewire and firewire 800 that's right okay so the Dro- sure.
0: okay so this okay go on
1: yeah no the drobo share uh is 200 bucks and uh and that then essentially adds an ethernet port now it adds a whole lot more as well the the drobo itself is 500 bucks just for the enclosure with no drives in it whatsoever uh and then this drobo share is 200 bucks i believe i've got that right um and and that it allow adds Ethernet to it, so you can network the thing. Now, that's the cool part. The not so cool part about the Drobo share, it, there, and then I'm going to get back to an even cooler part about the Drobo share. So bear with me here. I have an uncool part, but I'll let you go first. Okay, uh, it does not. It only supports SMB, which is the Windows networking protocol. So it does not natively support Apple file protocol. This means in my experience anyway, that it does not show up in the shared list automatically. The only way I was able to connect to it was by going in the Finder to the Go menu, choosing Connect to Server, and then manually typing SMB colon slash slash, and then what I knew to be the IP address of the Drobo, now of the Drobo share. Now, the the, the Drobo utility, the same utility that I used to set up the Drobo, uh, when it was connected to my Mac, found the Drobo Share no problem, and I was able to to set it up. Uh, I could even assign it a username and password, which I did. Uh, it's a single username and password for full access to the device, which isn't great, but I think that's pretty common with consumer grade uh, network storage devices, though not all of them. Uh, so, so that's the uh, that's sort of the drawback is that you're connecting via SMB, and you have to do this manually. Now, of course, once you connect once. You can uh, make an alias or, or whatever you want, and, and you know connect with a, a double click uh, down the road. But that that was that was sort of the the drawback was this. Oh man, it's not AFP, and so yeah, you know, not so happy. Now mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna get into a little bit more, but the, let's talk about the draw. You said you had a question. Well, John. well,
0: well, the one question I had. So uh, USB two is 480 megabits, uh-huh. right? Yep. FireWire is 800 megabits and gigabit Ethernet is 1000, megabits. So uh, would it lead? uh, It would lead me to believe that it it could be a bottleneck,
1: perhaps. But because you were talking about performance, if you note, if the Drobo is connected via FireWire and only doing a maximum of Mm. 18, uh, sorry, 180 megabits. Mm. We're not even getting close to the speed of USB 2, let oh, alone the speed of FireWire or gigabit Ethernet. Okay. So, yeah. And and indeed, my speed tests showed no difference whatsoever copying to the Drobo or from the Drobo using uh, via the Drobo share versus FireWire 800, 800 direct on the Mac. It was absolutely the same. It was as though it were connected. So. For Got for him. better or for worse, right? Mm-hmm. The the time the time capsule I should note now. of course, the time capsule only has one drive in it. The time capsule uh, was uh, I, I see usually sits in the twenties. Uh, sometimes you know bumps up into the low third. Sorry, usually see in the two hundreds in terms of megabits. Mm. Uh, sometimes I see it you know push three fifty, but but I've never seen it push four hundred uh Mm -hmm. so and i I think that's pretty common too so now the cool part about the drobo share and the real reason i wanted to check all this out though Mm -hmm. everything else is cool and now that i've you know had a chance to play with this thing and and geek out with it a bit i can't imagine not having it by the way uh but the drobo share is uh um a little computer, essentially, that runs embedded Linux, not unlike mm. our Linksys routers and and all that stuff. Right. So what the Drobo folks decided to do was instead of having people hack their way into it, they decided to open it up. And so nice. there are many little what they call Drobo apps that can be installed into the Drobo share, letting the Drobo share be its own type of server. One of those apps is an afp server so you can set it up to to talk on the network as an afp device now the way the server is it's it's very restrictive uh in terms of how you have to have your drobo set up ahead of time i did get it working a little bit but it was sort of flaky Mm -hmm. uh, you have to name your drobo drobo you can't name it anything else and you know, there's a right. couple other things you have to do, but, but it, that being but it works.
0: what you said, AFP is Apple file protocol, which is pretty much IP Apple talk. Right. Just for the junior right. geeks out there.
1: It's how all your Macs, if you have multiple Macs networked together or if you have a time capsule or, or something like that, it's the protocol that they're going to go ahead and use. So uh, so there was an app to do that. There's an app to get an SSH uh, terminal session in direct into the, uh, to the drobo share. Uh, there's one, nice. this shell. Yeah. Cool. There's one to enable jumbo ethernet frames that they said would Im- improve the speed. I didn't see a whole lot of difference, but I turned it on. What the heck? Uh, there's, there's a fire. There's, there's one called firefly, which is an iTunes streaming server. So you could copy all your music files onto the drobo, And then it essentially announces itself on the network as another copy of iTunes out there and you can stream music from it. Yeah. So there's lots of cool there's lots of cool stuff available. Um, I'm hoping to find, you know, something that uh, that would let, you know, my TiVo stream direct from it so that I don't have to Mm -hmm. go via the the computer. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities out there and uh, and the Drobo apps make it cool. So that's uh, that, that that's definitely something where we're uh yeah where we're going you know definitely going to play with that and i'm going to i'm going to see if it's possible to compile a, a drobo app and and how difficult that is so mm. yeah go for it yeah it's cool it's cool so all right so that's the uh that's the drobo i want one it's cool it's fun it i have to say it's i'll call them. it's it's expensive um you know it's i mean it's 500 bucks for the for the Drobo itself, right? I mean is that what I said? Yeah, four ninety nine for the Drobo and then uh I think I think I said two ninety nine one ninety nine rather for the Drobo share. Is that uh is that right? Pete's saying it's pilot proof. Pete, Pete, you've had one for a while, I right? I have mm. and
2: I love it. And I have really gooned up some network drives before and had to go back and try and recover data. I had one using the riser file system and that was an expensive recovery. This thing, you know, once you format the drive once, plug it in. It's just like an extra drive. It like a Mac, it just works. Yeah. It's uh I've got nothing bad to say about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it it, re- it really does. I mean, uh, you know, when I explained it to Lisa, it's like, "Oh, it it lets you stack drives together." She's like, "Oh, well that okay." Like, "But you don't have yeah. to know how to do that. You just plug them in." She said, "Anytime I want." I said, "Sure." She said, "Can I take a drive out?" I said, "Sure." But you know, it's going to yell a little bit, but it'll mm-hmm. it'll keep working. And you just put another drive in, you're good to go. So yeah, no, it's right. it's cool. Yeah, and the Drobo share So it's it's not cheap, but at the same time, for what you're getting, uh, it you know it's unparalleled. You can't get this anywhere else. Um, it just works. But being being able to just take all of any spare drives you have laying around and shove them into this mm-hmm. thing and just have it work, it's pretty darn cool. Uh, and and so yeah, it. Is it worth the 500 bucks? Well, yeah, because what? where else are you going to do this?
2: I use mine for the time machine mainly. I have other stuff on there, too, but yeah. that's where my time machine backup
0: is. You could goof around with this utility and try to figure it out, but.
1: Yeah, I guess. Anyway. Good luck with that. I don't think it'll let you break it, though. Even oh, oh you mean use disk utility to try and figure the Drobo out? Or, or no, use Disk Utility make in a place a of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So I'm looking forward to more Drobo apps coming out and uh, more people doing doing that because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So it's a it's a fun little thing, and it nice. and it works. Yep. Uh I guess we'll uh, yeah we'll talk about it. are we are we done with the Drobo? Do you have any other questions, Sean? <laughs> Gimme. <laughs> no, I can't. Gimme I need, one. I need to keep working with it here. Well, uh, maybe I'll get my own. Okay. Uh, all right. Our first sponsor for this show is Barebone Software with BB Edit. Now, BB Edit Nine has a couple of things going on. Uh, they've added integration with Mobile Me. So if you have a mobile me account, you can keep your BB edit preferences and your entire application support folders synchronized across machines, which allows you to preserve your text factories, your clippings and more. BB edit is an awesome text editor. It's I, I use it to build the HTML for our show notes. Uh, you can I use it when I'm editing PHP. Uh, if you're if you program in C Java, JavaScript, it's got profiles for just about every language I've ever heard of, and the way it works is: as soon as it realizes what language you're using, it starts doing uh, text formatting and different colors and all that for you know various functions and and tags and all that to really give you a visual representation of what it is you're doing. It's, it all happens automatically. Uh, a couple of things in in additional things in BBEdit nine the. Find and replace windows are now modeless. It used to be that when you were in BB Edit and you tried to do a, a find, you couldn't leave that find window up and go do something else. You had to finish what you were doing in the find window, close it, and and then you could click on another window. Well, now that's no longer the case. You can leave them up and 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 do different things and then come back. If you do a multi-file find. Uh, or you've got, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of files open, you can edit those files right in the results window. So you're not just seeing them, you can edit it now. Huge time saver and uh, being able to do that and then save works great. So this is BBEdit9 from barebones.com. It is $125 for an individual license or if you're upgrading from a previous version, 30 bucks. And if you're a student, it's fifty bucks for a full version, so that's BB Edit Nine from Barebone Software. Is it wow. time to, time to move on, John? I'm I'm going back to school. Uh, <laughs> are you Are you really? you gonna get a PhD? Uh, I mean, no.
0: No, I, I I was thinking. You know, actually, to be frank, I was thinking of graphic design, perhaps. Really? Or journalism. Who knows? Yeah, cool.
1: make life interesting. Cool. Anyways, uh Jean is Jean. Gene, Gene, Yeah, we next. have some we have some follow-ups from prior shows. And we love them. A, a, yeah, a couple of them. A couple of follows from a couple of shows. Cuz you
0: get to shake your fist or
1: wag your finger at us sometimes. Yeah, or or yeah. Whatever, or whatever or help the community. You got it. Uh So Gene writes, uh, the discussion about Vista file sharing with Macs brought back memories. All of your theories were most likely wrong, (laughs) at least to the extent that Vista is out of the box, unable to connect with Mac OS 10. It is still true that Vista is unable out of the box to connect with Mac OS 10. We were just wrong in terms of why, Uh, as Gene says, Vista requires and defaults to ntlm version 2 network authentication which mac os 10 does not use a registry patch to vista fixes this and gene went ahead and gave us a a link that will teach you how to do this it's a very simple registry patch and gene says i use vista all the time with my Macs, and once patched file sharing works just fine this applies to windows 7 as well Mm uh He says, one gotcha of most discussions tell you how to fix for the various business flavors of Vista, which is fairly easy, but the technique is unavailable for the home versions. A registry patch is needed for those. And like I said, we will we will share the link. So thank you very much. So we did see, though, he mentioned
0: actually he linked to forms, which suggested that you could go into, I guess, if you have admin to go into the uh, security policy portion of Windows Vista and they have a section where you can indicate which authentication protocols you would like to use. So it, it's something That's the business I think,
1: versions, but the home version. Okay, the higher not, level. Okay, yes,
0: you're, yeah. you're correct. Yeah. So yeah, and 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 you've been there, and I've been there, and geeky, you know, people have been. But if you have admin rights, typically, or a, or a sufficient level of Windows, like I run XP Pro, still for my day to day work doing development. I don't trust Vista, but that that will be part of a future show.
1: all right <laughs> Uh, should we move on to Jason? Uh, we shall. Okay, Jason writes, uh regarding your Slingbox Airport wireless bridge discussion near the end of Mac Geek Gab number 190. Thank you, Pete. Apple shows such a setup in uh, knowledge base article HT2044, and we'll put a link to it. The title is Using the Airport Admin Utility to Create a WDS Network with Multiple Base Stations. In the article, there are... Airport base stations connected as clients, AirTune sharing, and bridges for a wired client to an existing airport base station network. It does not mention third-party Wi-Fi networks, but a point-to-point bridge setup should work. The base stations can connect to existing Wi-Fi setups like any client, and then simply turn on bridge mode. And and he puts a airport article or knowledge base article HT1731 Airport Express: How to Join an Existing Wireless Network in Client Mode. So that would be the one to use with your third-party network. So uh, thank you very much, Jason, because that that answers not just Pete's question, but we had quite a few people email in and say, oh, yeah, 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 me, me, me. So a question.
0: Yeah. Uh, Maybe not the question.
2: Okay, should we go here? (laughs) Uh, Where are we going? Sorry, folks, I pulled a pin on that question and rolled it in. Here it comes. Well, (laughs) No,
0: no. To me, this indicates you can do the sharing if your airport express is part of another network. Right. Right. Okay, but but I guess the, the the question that came up, and maybe we'll we'll follow up on this because I I have not yet tried it. If you just have Enterprise Express, can you share a connected device on the Ethernet port wirelessly? And I think that's still up for debate. Though we've had some people saying, I think you can do that.
1: So again, this is only for wire for. W- an ex- there is no existing wireless network. You're looking to use, in a, in essence, your Mac connecting directly to an Airport Express. Correct. But the device on the other side of it is not an internet connection. It is, you know, a printer. It is or, well, it's it has an Ethernet connection, but not okay. an
0: ISP. So right, it is an Xbox or this or and, and I think we,
1: we got to follow, but, but we have some think that's doable. questions. I don't, I don't think we need in. to follow up. I, I think that's mm-hmm. totally doable. You'd have to put the thing in bridge mode and manually assign IP addresses on both sides. And then it would definitely work. Do you think so? Yeah. Why wouldn't yeah, it? You're right. No, <laughs> we, we talked about it beforehand. Yeah, no, it but, definitely, but would, we have yeah. two
0: distinct questions. Do you want to extend your existing network or do you want the airport express to be basically a little hub? Mm-hmm. Or a bridge, mm-hmm. yeah, which is what the name of it is. Right. So, right. Uh, but the answer is which we got from multiple multiple people was, dude, I do this. So, right. yeah. We had one person say an Xbox and another. Uh, so any Ethernet, uh, mostly
1: any <laughs> Ethernet device can be shared with that. Yep. Cool. Got All right. It? Uh, we will go on to Mister X, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. Apologies if this question has been asked many times, but a few episodes back, maybe it was more than a few, Dave mentioned a program that allows him to bring his MacBook home and plug it into the network. Then based on the
0: different nodes and equipment on his network, it determines the laptop is at home, and so it automatically sets his home static IP. I'd like to do something like this for my MacBook Pro, so
1: when I go from a client's office to back to my home office, I can... I can have it say detect my HP printer enter in my time capsule and automatically set the correct IP for me. Sorry if this has been asked a lot, but uh, if you could just give me a quick shout in the show as to what that program was, I'd be forever grateful. Thanks guys. Yeah, you bet. Uh, And, and of course that was the audio was stuttering a little bit there and I think we might still be stuttering a moment here. All right. We let it, we let it calm down a bit. First I will answer his question and then I will talk, I will speak about the stuttering. Uh, the uh, the answer to your question, sir, is Marco Polo, and we will put another link in the show notes. But that that's the app that I use. You set a bunch of criteria and you say, look, if, if you find a printer on the network named this and you see a device named that and you're connected to uh, this particular keyboard or that particular mouse, then boom, you know, you can believe that I'm on this network. So, yeah, it's Marco Polo now. About the audio stuttering. I had previous and it's funny, we were talking about this before the show. We haven't had this issue in a while. And we were talking about it before the show. And and Pete said uh you know, now of course Murphy's Law will will come and uh and get you. And Pete, you were right. Sorry, sorry man, I'm psychotic. Thanks, man. This yeah. <laughs> uh so the uh the <laughs> I had initially thought You know, it was about the time we moved from using a a, a G4 power PC machine to record the show to an Intel uh, iMac to record the show that this problem cropped up. And so, you know, I always thought, well, it's the audio buffers on the iMac. Well, at about the same time, not exactly, but right about the same time. I also went from using iTunes to play the comments to using your Jimbo. Now, iTunes was sharing the library from my MacBook Pro down in my office and Yojimbo was sharing its library from my MacBook Pro down in the office. So I didn't think much of it, but there is a notable difference. The one difference is that the audio comments playing in iTunes across the network were not being read from the local drive. Now in Yojimbo, the iTunes comments are being played from the local drive, so we are reading from the local drive while we're recording and writing to the local drive. So I've got to do something, and maybe on this machine, maybe I'll maybe I'll make use of this Drobo somehow to uh, to put the 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 comments out there, and and that way we're reading them across the network, and hopefully uh, that will keep this from happening. Though I have to say, uh, this is the first time in in gosh, I mean, it, over a month. That we that we've had this problem, so any, anyway, hmm. that's where we is at. Anyway,
0: the poor man's way of location intelligence—should we call it that? Okay—is network location. Hey, you see a location menu? Edit locations,
1: right? And Marco-
0: you got to do it manually, which is yeah, a pain in the neck. And, and yes, as you are pointing out,
1: I am just pointing out the the basic alternative. Okay. Right. Well, you still need to define those locations with Marco Polo. Yes. And then and then it just automatically sets them for you is, is what nice. it does. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then one last follow up from a prior show. and Thank you so much for writing in, Alex. Yes. Alex writes, while listening to the podcast, you were talking about when you download the podcast directly to an iPhone or iPod touch, you can't put the device to sleep while keeping it playing. And this is because there's a bug in the iPhone firmware and the iPhone touch iPhone touch. Uh, iPod touch firmware that uh, that causes some podcasts when downloaded to incorrectly be tagged as videos and the iPod or iPhone will not play a video when you put the screen to sleep. So Alex says, well, I think I figured out a backdoor entrance to play it after downloading the podcast, start playing it and then put the device to sleep. The podcast will stop playing But then press the home button twice and a menu comes up and you can click play. The podcast will play and you can put the screen to sleep. Thank you so much, Alex. I tested this on my (laughs) iPhone. It works flawlessly. So for all you folks that uh, download the AAC version of the podcast direct to your iPhone and then hate having to keep the screen alive. Uh, and simply look at the logos or the uh the various uh, bits and pieces of the AAC file if you just want to listen but you don't want to have to sync to your to your computer to do so this is how you do it you put it you start playing you put it to sleep it stops you double tap the home button and then you get a play icon on the screen and it totally works flawlessly so thank nice. you so much Alex that's uh that's awesome you know John we have a a question From from Kenny, or at least by by proxy from Kenny. Yeah, about playing podcasts on on uh, an iPod. And uh, so I thought it was a good little dovetail to go from prior to the new. Watch this. Mm -hmm. We just segue right in. (laughs) Kenny writes, Jane, who lives in Australia, is a loyal listener of yours and just about all Mac podcasts. She's having a problem I've been trying to help her, to no avail, but my efforts thus far have spurred me on towards finding this holy grail to solve her problem. To wit, Jane has an iPod Touch, and all of a sudden, she developed a problem that defies fixing. Now, whenever she plays a podcast and it comes to an end, the next podcast in her queue starts playing automatically, just like a music playlist. Jane, like many of us, listens to podcasts when she retires in the evening, and thus, she doesn't want the podcast to play one after another. If they do, they are considered listened to. So if she nods off listening to podcasts other than Mac cab, obviously, she'd <laughs> like the podcast to end and have the iPod go to sleep, restarting her podcast listening anew the next day. We have tried checking to be sure that the podcasts are classified as podcasts in the genre field and check the repeat settings, etc. All to no avail. She's using a workaround of turning the iPod sleep feature and having it time to approximately the end of whatever podcast she's listening to. Any ideas you might have would be appreciated. Ah, yes. So this is interesting because it's, this is I, something that used go. to happen and uh people used to. Used to. Yeah, it it go. used to be something that that happened all the time and people people uh were sad when there was the the firmware update uh, for the iPod that turned this off. And in fact, many people went on to then create smart playlists so that their iPods would continue playing podcasts one after the other. And, and this would be handy if you were playing a series of podcasts that were, that were all, you know, less than 10 minutes long on your commute. You didn't want to have to keep playing pressing play on your on your iPod. So they actually turned this off or they made a way f- that for most people turned it off automatically. And I think Uh, Jane messed with this setting on her own and didn't realize it. In my
0: experience, I I tested this and I I tried our enhanced
1: podcast and it merrily marched from one to the other. Right. Just as Jane describes. That's the problem. She doesn't want it to do it. And Mm. as Jane describes, it didn't used to. And she did not update her firmware. So Mm. what did Jane do? Well, I'll tell you what Jane did. Tell me jane disabled shuffle mode (sighs) strange as it may sound by disabling shuffle mode uh it turns this off now if you enable shuffle mode either song shuffle or album shuffle it totally fixes or it totally changes this behavior and podcasts will stop playing after the uh after the, the that show finishes Again, if you want to have shuffle mode enabled and have the podcast played together, you need to create a smart playlist to do that. But uh, but otherwise, that Jane, that is your answer. So go ahead and turn on shuffle mode, song mode, album mode, and uh, and that should do it for you. How dare they? <laughs> do they dare? <laughs> they did. <laughs> I guess they did. Poor Jane. <laughs> poor, <laughs> poor, poor Jane.
0: Oh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jane and others, well... I don't know
1: if we should go here. We should go here. Yeah, go. How to talk to us? Yeah, it's a good thing. We want people to to talk to us.
0: (laughs) I want you to call me. And Dave.
1: Wasn't that a cheap trick song? (sighs) I want you to call me, right? Anyway, Uh, 206 666 Geek is the number to call and that number john is say it quick otherwise i'll, I'll start singing Four, again Four three three five. <laughs> thanks uh feedback e- yeah go ahead you say Email. it you say it you say it Email. feedback at MacGeekab.com. say it again feedback at MacGeekab.com. com. testify brother <laughs> Amen. say it again that type of show on, one more one more time go ahead. <laughs> go ahead just just for me pete 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 you give, give it, it to me feedback yeah at- MacGeekGab.com. That's the Good. email address to use, folks. That's right. You can <laughs> and see the Skype show. allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, can <laughs> and, you comment on this? Uh, people have been complaining. I can comment on it. You Skype to Mac Geek Gab. I can't comment about why it doesn't work for some folks. <laughs> I, I, no, I refuse to uh, to even speculate. So, uh, We like the iTunes comments too, but uh, probably not the best place to leave your question for the show. Uh, and then you can see the show notes that John prepares so beautifully each week at uh, Mac, yes. MacGeekCab.com. So. Slash. Oh, no, no slash. You're no. right. MacGeekCab.com will get you there. MacObserver.com uh. slash podcast will redirect you around to there. So
0: Yes, sir. In the show notes. Did we talk about that? Yeah. Or the
1: enhanced. Uh Huh? What are you talking about? What's next? Okay. Uh, Pete says he has a, a related question. So instead of making you wait yeah. till next week. S- sorry. Sorry to do that. No,
2: as, as far as James, the related question as to the podcast, not to get them to stop playing or to play, but as you know, with one of the latest updates, they changed the order in which they play. Right. They used to play oldest to newest, now newest to oldest. Most people were smart enough to change it. Some of my podcasts haven't changed their episodes. Is there a way to go in and edit that data to change the release time of a given episode so I can get it in the proper order? To
1: change the release time of an episode? Yeah, the
2: published time or whatever. Can I get hmm. in that file and change it somehow?
1: Well... Let's open up iTunes, shall we? Mm, now, sure. now it's like Mac Geek Gab Live. It <laughs> Stump- feels like Macworld Expo all over <laughs> Sorry, again. Guys, Pete, we're geeks. doing a show. Pete's interrupting. It's my job. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh? No, 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 no. No, well, of course you can do get info. Yeah, but that's mm-hmm. not going to let you change the the time, the release date of the show. I mean, that's published out there. Yeah, c you'd have to make the smart playlist, right? Yeah. Mm. And turn it around. Or or like you said, go in and and uh and and huh. Try
2: to figure out how to edit the file data yeah. and that
1: wasn't working. It was just that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if Somebody out there knows. Yeah, wait a minute. If you do hang on. Hang on. If you do track number. Okay, so if you go to in iTunes out to podcasts, and you mm-hmm. go to the view menu and go to view options and then check the track number field okay uh then you can sort by track number oh i say mm-hmm. that you can and now i lied yeah track number you lied yeah, yeah. but you can't sort by well there's it by also it. get info oh, but right. no yeah, there's a, wish, a the lot of info counts.
0: there so uh let's flog Pete and move on
1: no 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 okay. it's it but the get info doesn't doesn't yeah. let you edit that yeah. That's that's the point here. But yeah, you can mm-hmm. add the track number. The only thing that you can sort by is the release date. So yeah, so you've just got to, oh, well, that's the answer then, is just change the release date uh, sort option. Click on the little triangle. Up and down. Next to release will date. Will I
2: change the play order when it hits my iPhone? It on. should. Okay.
1: I, I'm pretty sure it will.
2: Yeah. So one will be right and the other, all the others will be backwards. But. <laughs> right. Mm.
1: Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's 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 going to be the magic answer. Yeah, because the iPhone and the iPod take their play order from how you have iTunes set. If you've got a playlist in iTunes that's set alphabetically, then right. that's what you're going to get when you navigate on the on the iPod or iPhone. If you have it set to, you know, by song length, you're going to get that, but you're not going to see it. You're, you're going to wonder, you know, what the heck am I looking at here? Right. So, uh, yeah. So that that's going to be your magic answer. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Rob, John. You you had a conversation with Rob on Twitter. Yes, and it was
0: it was a good conversation and I solved a problem. And the problem, so Rob was saying, um, I got a problem here. I'm I'm trying to when I launch all my other apps, and I click on a URL, you know, for a website, it launches my default browser, which is Safari. Now you may ask me. John, how do you know about the default browser? Don't even think about it, guys. Okay, so you go to Safari, you go to Preferences, you click on General. Default web browser is a field in the General panel in Safari, and it will show you—you you would think—either Safari or, in my case, at least on some machines, Firefox or IE or Opera or whatever the heck. So. Problem that he had was when he was using Twirl app applica- or I'm sorry Twitter applications. Some may be based on Adobe Air, which is what Twirl and others. I I personally like Twirl. They're they're making a lot of advances. Um, but anyway, so the problem was when he clicked on a URL for a website in uh, Twirl applications, it would launch. Firefox, and he's like, What the heck is this? Because I said my default browser <laughs> was this. Why are you not listening to me? And the thing is, so I suggested to him, Well, dude, check out, um, you know, RC default app, which is a uh, pref pane that we talked about before. Uh, it's called RC default apps, or it appears as default apps in the other section of your system preferences, but it lists a whole bunch of categories that underneath the covers, um, OS 10 will use to figure out what an application should launch if it has a certain uh, whatever. And and that's the thing. It, it could be a, a uh, URL. It could be an extension on the file. And what he found, I believe it was in the extensions portion of this app, is that applications that had a HTM, um, I believe, suffix, For whatever reason, we're set to launch Firefox. And apparently the Twitter apps he was using were keyed into that particular suffix on a URL. So he basically wrote back to me saying, that was it. I found the app um, or the extension that was set to Firefox that I did not want, that was now my default app. So I guess what it's saying is that there's a, a, a deeper level in OS X where things could get confused because... In this case, obviously, the default browser app was not the default browser app, depending right. on what the application you're using looks to to determine, okay, I have a .htm file, I have a file with a mime type, I have a file with whatever, what do I do with it? And OS 10 has that capability, but it's, um, as RC default app will show you, it's scattered about in so many places. So in this case, he stumbled across. Now, the thing is, somebody must have changed that. I don't know if it was Firefox or another application said, hey, you know, when you see this, launch Firefox. And and he had the remnants of that. Fortunately, RC Default app, get it. I believe it's free um, and it's great and it, it helps you understand the. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> Gears that the underlying structure of OS 10 and how it figures out what to do. A lot of times, it gets it right. Sometimes it doesn't, and this was one of the unfortunate cases. So yeah, that's I, my story,
1: and I'm sticking to it. And go. I wonder if he had gone into that uh, preference pane in Safari. And set the default app from Safari to Firefox and then back again, if that would have also changed the HTM handler or if it only changes the, uh, you know, HTML handler or, or whatever, uh, whatever I'm, it was. And and it, it's uh, I don't know
0: what app he was using for Twitter because that was the app that launched the erroneous web right, right. browser. So it depends on what. No, API. no, no, you're
1: not, you, no, you don't understand my question. No, I think I'm
0: following. No, I, I think I do. No, go. does
1: Safari, when you change the default app in Safari, does that go and update the, the, the HTML field?
0: Okay. Right. Okay. Right. No, I, I understand exactly. Okay. And I don't think it does. Okay. I think they are separate areas of the OS that figure out what to do with a file, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, so well, he test-
0: solved this problem. He he found it. No, I I got to give our our friend credit that he he found the specific setting that was wrong. So cool, but it was quite quite an adventure. And it, 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 did this peg the geek meter?
1: I don't know. All right, we have uh, one. We'll do one final question. Think so? Yeah. Okay. So Michael writes. Uh, let's see. What is all this? Oh no, I put mm-hmm. the wrong thing in here. You no. know, we're gonna we're gonna skip Michael because actually, yeah, I'll 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 paraphrase Michael's question. I I put the wrong PDF in the show notes. Uh, so Michael wrote in and asked. He said, "Look, in Leopard, I have two questions. One, when I mount a volume, it doesn't. When I mount a network volume, it doesn't appear in the sidebar of my Finder. The server." To which the uh, volume is attached appears, but I want to see the volume itself. And then as as a related question, how do I go and auto mount this volume? You know, once I get it mounted, that's great. But once I when I restart, I got to go back through the process of finding it. And then even still, it doesn't appear in the sidebar of the finder. Hmm. So uh, I think we, we each have a piece of the pie here for for Michael. Yes, I the first piece of the pie getting it to appear in the finder sidebar is something that I've been through with the Drobo and the, uh, you know, because now I've got it connected to the Drobo share and the Drobo share once connected appears in the shared section of Leopard 10.5's, uh sidebar, but. That's the only place I can see it. Now, the drive itself appears on the desktop, but I can't always Mm -hmm. see my desktop. It's crazy. This is how Leopard deals with network shares. It's not just an SMB thing. It would happen with anything. Yeah, it does. Uh, But what you can do is take the, uh, you know, get the share connected, then go to the desktop and find the drive or the, you know, the volume and drag that volume Into the sidebar, into the devices section. Now, as you're dragging there, you'll see it uh, alternate kind of as you're dragging up and down in the list between highlighting one of the existing devices and then putting a little line between them. Let go of the mouse when it's on one of those lines and it will drop the little uh, drive right there. And in my experience... When I come back around and reboot and it reattaches to the drive, uh, it reappears in the devices section. So I can use it just like a regular disc. It appears there. It's in, it's in the open and save dialogues. It's exactly what I want. So that's the magic way is drag it from the desktop into the devices section. Stupid, unintuitive. uh, It's not how it's supposed to work. And yet it's our lot in life. So, Mm -hmm. so that's piece number one. Now piece number two, when he reboots, he doesn't want to have to go through the process of reconnecting to whatever uh, server it is that's got this drive. He just wants to auto connect. And John, how does he do that? Well, I think it was a disk image he was thinking. Yes. Uh, it might have been. I thought he was talking about network devices. Okay,
0: but it could be anything. Yes. Anything. So check it out. Yo. Yeah. All right. So system preferences accounts. Click on that. Yeah. I'm clicking on it right now. Yep. You will then get on the left side of the pane, the accounts. If you click on login items, and this will cover actually a couple of things. So you will see a lot of things and probably all of the things you see will have an item name, hide, which if you wanna hide things, and a kind. Now the thing is, the kind is usually application, but if you drag a disk image over, which I think was part of the request, or a network share. And this gets kind of squirrely, and I'm actually looking at a few programs to do this. But if you drag either a disk image or a network share into the login items window, they will appear there. And guess what? When you reboot your machine and it logs in, it will mount the disk image. It may ask you for a password, which of course you can say answer yes forever, or a network share. Though There are better ways... uh, Again, of mounting network shares, I think, and and I have a few utilities I've been looking at which make it better. So you can do this, and and it's really Dave to me non-intuitive that you can put disk images and network mount points or or share points in the uh, login items. But it it's true, yeah, it does
1: work. Yeah, once you know that you can put them there, then of course it makes sense that uh, that you can do so. But up until that point, it is completely. Unintuitive. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. The answer is really easy once you know it. Yeah, because you just said, and I think I tried it once. I dragged over
0: yeah. an icon, and it didn't give me the little, you know, prohibited icon. And I'm like,
1: cool. Well, so that means that it's slightly, do that. slightly intuitive, right? If you <laughs> thought you could do it, and then you did it, right? Right? Yep iPhoneAlley.com and the iPhone Alley podcast, available there or in iTunes, are the home of Michael Johnston, uh, and he of course has converted this show to AAC for your pleasure. It's not Michael's fault that the AACs show up uh, on your iPhone or iPod Touch as uh, as video files when you download them directly, by the way. It's uh, it's not our fault either. It's it's Apple's fault, and, uh, and we're trying to see if Cashfly can change something on their end, but the way they send mm-hmm. the files looks pretty good to me. So, uh, And speaking of CashFly, they do provide all the bandwidth that gets the podcast from us to you. The podcast marketplace this month includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit 9 from Barebones Software, PDF Pen 4 from Smile on My Mac, and Notebook from Circus Ponies all through the BackBeat Media Podcast Network. Do we have anything else to talk about, or are we getting out of here quick? Um, one thing.
0: Yeah You remember that guy we were following Again I hate the Twitter stuff But sometimes Oh yeah it's we should fun. talk about our Twitter remember our, remember our real Sean Handy guy Yeah He's a fraud Okay good He admitted it to me okay. So he was saying Yeah Anyways Dude, you got your 15 minutes Bye Bye. <laughs> uh, Anyways, Twitter, yes I am John F. Braun Dave is Dave Hamilton Michael is, I believe, Michael Johnston Pete is Pilot Pete and That's can, right and, and tweet us And uh, I love Twitter uh, As we did in this show I, I amazingly solved the problem via Twitter
1: and, it's and a you great can medium. you can follow uh, Ooh, Mac GML. Observer at Mac Obser- at Twitter, you know at Mac Observer, and then our our deals on the website we rebranded this week to Deal Brothers. Many of you may have seen it, and of course you can follow Deal Brothers on Twitter. Uh, really? at, deal, at Deal Brothers? Who, who yeah. are these brothers? Jack I and want Jim, to speak man. To them. Jack and Jim, go speak to the brothers. There's a deal all sister right. there. All kinds of great deals happening. Sisters? Uh, and uh, what? it's all good stuff. So <laughs> that's <laughs> excellent. Uh, uh, and and you can also follow The Dalai Lama uh, the, the office Well he's of following A lot of
0: people Which kind of creeps me out Man the,
1: the office of the Dalai Lama Is O-H-H-D-L So uh, So there you go uh, that's, that's all it. I got Yeah let's get out of here Yep What's
0: tonight 24? Hmm 24 Heroes Big, big Bang Heroes, Theory Maybe I I like them, but heroes. I think all of them. Oh, the heroes guy. Yeah, we'll link to him maybe. He he tweets. The uh, mind reading guy. Yeah. Parkman.
1: Yeah. He knows. And Pete, I'll I'll say this to the uh, the folks that you mentioned: don't get caught.
0: Mina.